been doing? I was doing really important stuff. You woke up. Yeah, I was sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Hey, this is serious. Have we heard from Mark Wahlberg? No. What? People haven't even called my people yet. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Cool talk. I had a long weekend. Sorry, I'm tired. I had my uh, good friend Pete's wedding, who was on the Pete. podcast a couple oh. weeks ago. Yeah. Pete Mikaitis. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was intense. You know, it's was one it of good? those things. Yeah, it was a great wedding, but between I'm, I'm the priest who gives a homily and they pick the prodigal son as their gospel uh, for a lot of different reasons, but hard to make the connection to marriage. <clears throat> Not impossible, but uh, worked out a lot on the homily. And, you know, you know, there's just going to be a bunch of people, you know, from your past lives that are there because me and Pete have um, like a ton of the same friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, it's stupid, but you put pressure on yourself. And then I had a toast to give at the reception itself. He told me not to talk about him in the homily. So I had to, I did a little sort of funny, funny slash feels toast before grace at the, at the reception. And then I actually drove him to their hotel room at the end of the party. So, wow. Yeah, that is a full day. It was a full day. And I had my sister, so I picked her up and dropped her off and got back around midnight. For that was yesterday? No, last, like Saturday. Last night. Oh, Saturday. But then Sunday, there's no break, so I got up masses. I did the uh, first practice for the Christmas play. Oh, you're doing you're it. You're doing it. Yeah. We'll see. So we had a bunch of kids come. At least all the main parts are filled. I told them to bring some friends next time, next Sunday. Uh, it's pretty simple. It probably takes like nine minutes to do the whole play. That's awesome. How old are the kids? What, what age, uh, high age school. range? No, high school kids. And Even then, the baby? <laughs> yeah, the baby's... Actually, the baby's like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> Shaving his head. <laughs> oh, then I had a novena mass in the evening after that for Guadalupe. We're doing a every night mass up until December 12th. Do you find that as a priest, like, are there cool, like, Christmas time traditions that you're going to get into? I was thinking about this the other day. Like, my sister's been, like, texting me a couple hilarious pictures yesterday of, like, they, they got some snow and, like, building a snowman and cut down their tree. And it's just like, I was just reminiscing on all of our, like, fun, like, family Christmas traditions and everything. And there wasn't, there really wasn't like, I mean, I wasn't afraid of like there being sadness in it, but it was just like this, but there really wasn't. It was just like this realization that, I don't know, like just the life of a priest and celibacy is like so unique of like Christmas morning, like going to say mass at the parish, you know? Um, so I was, just, yeah, I hadn't planned on asking that, but I was, when you were talking, like, what have you found? <laughs> I think that this might be the desire to do this play slash Christmas carols in the park uh, might be a response to the first two years 
being kind of a disappointment because okay. you, you do even in seminary because on breaks you'd go you'd go home for christmas and you could be part of whatever your old family's christmas stuff but we're you know we're about the age late 20s early 30s that you'd you'd be start you'd be starting to form new traditions right. with your own budding family so yeah there's some sadness in that not having um not having like the matrix in which to to build traditions and and things like that you know the dinners and the mornings and whatnot uh but what was particularly sad to me was the the lack of people coming to christmas mass hmm. um you know because for years we've been complaining about these creasters oh they only come at christmas and easter and um take up all the seats yeah, well whatever for years i've said i've thought myself to myself that pretty soon they're not even going to come on christmas and easter because yeah well, you know you can you maybe get one generation of creasters but their kids are not going to want to go to mass on they don't go to mass hmm. ever except on christmas which just kind of ruins christmas for them so yeah, when they true. raise their family they're not going to go to mass you know mm-hmm. and then pretty soon Christmas is just a pagan holiday, which is a pretty decent pagan holiday, you know, but mm-hmm. at least we're not sacrificing people or anything. It's like love and joy and presents and eggnog and whatnot, but it's like Yule instead of Christmas. And this is what I can do for my family to sort of like put the uh, put the sea back in Christmas, you know. I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it is sad not having, especially with my nieces and nephews living in another state and everything like that. Mm. Uh, and Christmas day, pretty much like Christmas Eve would be the time to get together, have a dinner, you know, the next day, you know, Christmas morning and blah, blah, blah. That's how we always did it growing up. And then Christmas afternoon, you're just playing with your stuff mm-hmm. and getting together at grandma's house for pie or whatever. The adults would yuck it up. But as a priest, you're busy Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning, and then you're free to kind of go be with your family. But sure, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Even on like even on internship last year, like being at the parish at Easter and it, like through the whole weekend, and my family was kind of together. And then I did after the masses, I went home in the afternoon, um, and it was very cool. It was the first experience of like got invited to multiple <coughs> families' houses like on on Easter to go and have like the Easter meal with them or whatever. And it worked out. I was going home, so I didn't, but I even thought then I was like, my gosh, that's just such a, I don't know. It wasn't, it like wasn't surprising, but it was the first experience of that, of like a very cool intimacy, like offered of like getting to go like join a family for this like very real holiday. But also it's like not the family yeah. that I grew up with yeah. or ever pictured of having, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, that, uh, that happened to me my first Christmas Eve. This okay. really great yeah. family invited me over and, uh, you kind of feel like if you weren't a priest, this would be very uncomfortable. You'd be like the one person who's at someone's Christmas. Yeah. I don't know. It's like one of the most intimate gatherings there is. Everybody mm-hmm. knows each other. Uh, 
<coughs> pardon me. Um, but since you are the priest, you're sort of part of the family as well. But you're meeting people that don't come to church or aren't Catholic or from other towns, from these people's family. And you're having to introduce yourself at Christmas. So that, I mean, it's a little bit awkward, but I, I did pretty well. People, then the non-Catholics start arguing with you about priests ought to be able to get married and like that. We had that whole conversation at Christmas Eve, which I mean, that could happen in my family too. So who knows? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, well, it makes me think just yesterday we were talking about, um, was it yesterday? No, Saturday. We were talking about just the dynamic of, how our relationships with our family and like our place in that changes and in a lot of ways like how much of a how much of a death that is and i know even just thinking about you know my i have siblings who are getting married and starting their own families and which is beautiful and awesome but that means that they're not going to be home for christmas and yeah. so like even my nucleus of people that i'm accustomed to and that like I have my own Christmas traditions built around. Even that's naturally changing and progressing. Um, and that's not even something particular to the celibate vocation. Like, I think everybody goes through that when you're losing different family members, losing in the sense that they're not at every <coughs> single function and not with you all the time. And like, I'm going to miss my brothers who are gone. Uh, and the whole family system is going to change. And, People are going to take new places and we're going to have new jobs. And um, I don't know, it's just different and weird to think about. But yeah, that's like the family that I go back to, obviously. And so not having my my own that I'm creating and like physically spawning and generating, um, to have my nucleus family that I'm going home to changing so drastically, uh, I don't know, it's difficult. I don't know if you've had that at all with your with your siblings, but maybe it's just cause I'm one of the older ones that all the younger guys are leaving now, but yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, everything's going to change anyway. My, you know, I look at my parents in their sixties and there's no more, uh, stockings on the mantle and, you know, little kids waking up and screaming about Santa Claus. That stuff was probably, I mean, my dad loves that stuff. Even before he was, before he believed in God, he believed in magic, you know? He loved Christmas. Mm. Um, he liked just watching his kids be happy and, and stuff like that. And he loves watching the grandkids do that. Um, but now they're all, go you know, it's not, it's not easy for anybody. The fact that things change, people get older. Uh, but it wouldn't be... It also wouldn't be good if everything were just the same over same thing over and over and over again, you know. It's like listening to the same song, even if you really like it, <clears throat> eventually it feels like hell if the same song is on repeat. You know, we human beings want something constant and everlasting, but that's always new all the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so the best thing to do is just whatever God wants because he knows better than like to try to design an experience or to be like, or to let the idea of Christmas traditions at all affect your vocational choice just makes no, makes no sense. You know, the only way into joy that is both everlasting and ever new is to do whatever God says. So I'm not too worried about it, but 
this this felt like one thing this christmas play back to the original point felt like one thing that god was really just you you should just do this you know no exactly like that's that's kind of like when you said you were doing it that was like maybe the effective movement in me was like yeah i don't think you're married to this like the notion of doing a christmas play every year of your priesthood to like make a christmas tradition right but it just seems like so organic of like no this is something that um like makes what we are celebrating just a little bit more concrete that like you can go to you know whether or not it's a huge success or flop like it's centered in like both like a relationship with God, but also in, in developing and deepening human relationships in it. And I don't know, it's just cool. Like it's, it's hopeful in the sense that like, I don't have a desire to necessarily do a Christmas play my third year of priesthood, but it's like, there is something there of like, it's just, it's very tangible of like hearing you being a priest in a parish on Christmas. Like as all this stuff is changing, uh, like there's something still that's like, yeah, it's new, but it's also like a consistent presence. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was, it was just like a nice little shot, I guess. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Sort of if you build it, they will come sort of hopeful situation. I want to mm-hmm. get, uh, some people in town, like musicians and see if there's, you know, choirs, maybe even a choir from a different church. <clears throat> if they have oh, singers to, to sing the Christmas carols and stuff like that. Yeah. Make that bad boy ecumenical. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Mm. And yeah. And is there, there's a space in the city that y'all can, or in the town that y'all can use? Yeah. Right across the street. I just thought I have a whole to do list. I have to ask permission. It, it belongs to the hospital technically, oh, cool. but there's a hospital right across the street from us, but, Big, yeah, big park with trees with lights the gazebo already has christmas lights on it i want to put a big star because you know the whole star here's another situation idea. all right you're gonna throw this out there you rent a polar bear i was thinking animals i mean yep and then somehow you get the polar bear to drink some coca-cola mm-hmm. you bring in coca-cola to sponsor it right all of a sudden you're on national TV. Mm-hmm. You have 30 seconds of airtime. That's not bad. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Uh, probably just advertise Three Dogs North. Yes, yes dude. That is exactly what I wanted you to say. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, if I ever if I ever have national coverage, <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm just going to say. Everybody listen to Three Dogs North. ThreeDogsNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> I, yeah. I got to sit next to somebody who was scrolling through the website uh, for the first time, and they were so impressed slash blown away by the user ability, like how good our website is. Hmm. It, it was almost laughable. He's like, why do y'all have this website? <laughs> like, honestly, you wouldn't believe it, man, but I have no clue. It's just Father Connor's brother is a yeah. beast at it. He was on the podcast one time. <laughs> and that's simply He's super it. good at it, yeah. Yeah, really? Cool. Did you? Were you the one saying, "Hey, look at our website"? Or did he? No, yeah, I did, did that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Why is there something rather than nothing? I actually listened to the one last week, and, and I appreciated your disclaimer. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. I thought you did a good job with it. Thank you. I usually listen to the first like three to four minutes of our Mm -hmm. podcast, and that's about it. Yeah, I figured some people listen in the car with kids, so. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, No, I enjoyed it. Any New Year's resolutions for you guys? I find two new guys to podcast with. Yeah. We were just thinking one. (laughs) Um, New Year's resolutions. I've never been one for them, to be honest. Dude, I do have to say this. You actually are looking thin or like more slim. I don't know how much more weight you've lost. but A little bit, yeah. Slow but sure. Dude, Rob's getting after it up here, father. Dieting. Um, Do you have anything interesting to say, Disc? Well, just speaking of food, I'll just say yesterday I got up and put some touches on a homily. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the Saturday thing thinking about the wedding homily, thinking about the, you end up having to just write a lot of homilies as a priest. So I got up and did mine for Sunday. So it was pretty decent. And when I greeted people after mass, then had mass at 10, ate a couple of pieces of beef jerky and some goldfish, and then another mass, and then the play practice, uh, and then a bowl of cereal. This is like 3.30 p.m., and then had the last mass of the day with Guadalupe and ate like some sweet bread and some hot chocolate and go back to the rectory and realize, okay, it's oh, 7.30 o'clock. It's 7.30 at night. And I've had some beef jerky, some goldfish, <laughs> some cereal and a cookie, you know, and like, that's not good. So I, somebody had dropped some jambalaya off Ooh. a couple of days ago. So I heated that up and ate it. I realized like, I, I need to eat something meal like and hot yeah. you know yeah. but i i think that it's really dangerous i mean at the seminary you've got hot food three times a day um so it was a little easier to stay in shape but you know i, I don't know that's eating right having a good habit of eating right that's one thing i maybe that's a good new year's resolution to start trying to like cook think about when i'm eating and what i'm eating because it's too easy to, as a priest, to just, whatever, skate by. Be like, yeah, I'm not that hungry. Plus, I'm working. You know, it's kind of like hunting. The few times I hunted, does it happen to you, Rob? You don't get hungry because you're concentrated. You know, you're thinking about something else. Um, yeah, I, that's that, that is pretty consistent. If you do like an all day, all day in the field hunt, like you're gonna get yeah get hungry typical typically. But no, that's that's very true. Like you can go. It's it's crazy. I mean, even the other day, like it was Saturday here, so I got up and we were going to the noon mass. So I slept in a little bit, missed breakfast. So I had like two of the little like chocolate donuts that were on the can, <laughs> and then we went out to that's sunk cost. I, I think that's, I mean, diminishing returns or whatever. You oh yeah, you get more yeah. hungry for eating that. No, for real. And then we went to Bill's Pizza for lunch, which is super good yeah but oh, i had which you introduced us to or at least introduced me to you've uh, never been to bills before that oh i had you hadn't been to bills before that uh no i had gone one time with okay. with mark bernard it's gonna be a staple i, I think so yeah i was pretty blown away oh my by gosh it. mark bernard must have plowed did he eat five pizzas himself <laughs> he does eat <laughs> that <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude. Eat. 
Dude, I watched in a, a grown man <laughs> put down a, a an Mark. extra large. Yeah, this is not Mark. An extra large Domino's pizza by himself. Mm. Was it Saturday night? Yeah. On Saturday night. Mm-hmm. A grown man. One sitting, like not extended, like just did it. Just I didn't even notice it. until he finished. And then he said, I just ate an extra large <laughs> Domino's pizza. Ryan Kruger used to be able to do that. Not, I don't know about an extra large, but he could get a $5 hot and ready. Don't put it on the podcast, but guess who it was? <clears throat> Grown man. And, and, and just a little extra for you. When he sat down, he was trying to talk himself out of eating another guy's leftovers. <laughs> oh, man. I want, I want to say... Yep. No, oh, that's yeah. It. It was. That's it. Oh, yeah. The hunting thing you were talking about... I. Yeah, it is interesting. I've never really been a believer, but honestly, like I have, and I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I'm late 20s, I'm an old man, I can't do anything, like blah, 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 because I realize, you know, compared to like the rest of my life, I'm still very like physically gifted right now, and even like recovery time and everything. But I have noticed the past few years, like, if I like do just gorge or whatever, like I'll put on way more weight than wow. I used to, or mm-hmm. like just uh, yeah, I mean you just feel it like it takes two days to recover from playing dodgeball instead of a day or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just it's just different, but uh, yeah, just with like I I noticed it actually during hunting season. I deer hunted a couple weekends ago like real hard when I was home, and so it was just in the field like a lot and. Uh, it's very like physical stuff to be out there like in the cold, uncomfortable seat, like you know, like when you get a deer cleaning it and everything. But I noticed like how good I felt when I was doing it. And I even remembered right before I came to seminary, not anything I did, but I went to Haiti and I don't know what happened, but I pretty much ate mangoes for two weeks and then had like all kinds of intestinal problems for two weeks after. And uh, I lost a ton of weight. So I think I actually weighed less when I came to seminary than I did in high school. Um, and But I remember like that summer, I felt freaking great, dude. And that was like, that was the best golf that i've ever played was that it was like substantially better and i really think i was like i was flexible and felt good and i don't know i mean it was just like it really is like your body is such just like an important part to who you i'm not i wouldn't call myself a health nut but yeah no it's important i read this uh read this book it's really short nick blaha turned me on to it called the map of life by frank sheed and it's like five chapters, if that. <clears throat> and he just talks about how um, it's. I, I, it's. I would assign it for kind of RCIA type people, but it's a little bit just Frank Sheedy theological, and so a little hard to read. Have you ever read him? You read, read like theology for beginners. Yeah, I I haven't read all of that book, but I've seen that book before. That's pretty. I, good. I I've never heard of him. I think Mitch Menard gave me that book actually in college. Really so, good anyway. author. He's kind of like Peter yeah. Kreeft. That yeah. type of guy. Yep. Frank Sheed? Yeah. So, is, that right? is that right? Frank Sheed? Yep, Frank Sheed. Okay. It's called Map of Life. Pretty short, but he's just talking about basic kind of Catholic anthropology of the whole story. You know, uh, let's like take for granted 
um, that in order to know what the purpose of life is, you have to, that has to be revealed to you because you can't figure it out by yourself. And so here's what the Catholic Church says God says about the purpose of human life, where it's going and how to get there. And so pretty helpful for, you know, it's not apologetic. It's just here's what's here's what it's all about and talks about the body-soul thing uh, that we're unique in saying that the soul is not imprisoned in the body, but the soul is primary to the body. The soul should be in charge of the body and reason should be in charge of the soul. <clears throat> but without the body kind of as your servant, the body eventually decays and dies. But it is amazing how much influence the body has on the soul. Like if you are sick or in pain, I just visited a lady in the hospital over the weekend a couple of times who's, you know, not able to breathe very well. And I remember looking at her sitting in this chair. I, I just got to the ICU and she's sitting up in her chair because she can't really breathe well on her back. But she's, it looks like she's just trying to find the one position where she can be comfortable and she can't find it. And it just looks like a nightmare, you know, it looked like she was hanging onto the edge of the earth and about to fall off. And there's just like nothing to grab onto. And you think like when you when you feel like that, when your body feels like that, how could you concentrate on anything? You know, how could you pray? How could you think? Yeah. Um, so it's just like Cardinal George always used to say that your body gets your your body makes your world so small when it's not functioning right. Um, but the really interesting point about the book, the, the thing that I kind of took away that I might use is. Uh, you know, if our if the purpose of life had a natural end, like some kind of natural happiness here on this earth in your body soul uh, existence as it is right now, then you might say we just need the law. You know, um, we just need the roadmap, and we can we can do it ourselves. But because the destiny of the human person is beyond the human nature. In other words, it's super, that's kind of, I wrote that thing about natural law a couple months ago on the website. I don't know if you, ever, you guys ever read it, but. Totally. But that we have a read supernatural, yeah. a supernatural purpose or end, namely heaven, union with God. Um, then we're going somewhere where our current nature will not suffice, you know, and. So it's like he used this analogy I thought was really good. It would be it would be like saying where you're going to end up is Mars. That's where you're going. That's the purpose. But to get to Mars, you need a substantial amount of equipment. And to live on Mars, you need a substantial amount of equipment, you know. You need a rocket ship and you need the stuff to breathe there and spacesuits and whatnot. Um so by analogy to get to heaven, you need some supernatural gear and he calls it the supernatural life which adam had by grace in the beginning but lost in sin but that we get back in christ and so the like the holy spirit through baptism and through the other sacraments are the kind of like the spaceship and spacesuit you need to breathe in heaven you know I, i just thought that was a kind of a helpful analogy to me like in order to even follow the law. So the law itself is the, a gift, but even on top of that, the supernatural life, the life of God, which we taste here on earth, but we're destined for in heaven. Um, and even to want to go to heaven, you kind of need the gift of God's life uh, and the Holy Spirit and everything like that. Um, but the, the sense, 
that, and this goes back to the Christmas tradition thing too. Like we want something permanent, but also novel, like that never, that isn't just the same thing over and over again, but also doesn't just decay and change away. Oh yeah, man. Um, yeah. You need, you need a spacesuit to get there. And that's this intervening of God's life into our life in the incarnation. And then through the extension of the incarnation in the church, which gives the Holy Spirit and, and gives grace to, first of all, point you to heaven and get you there and let you live there. You know, that's all got to be grace. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I wonder if there are any jetpacks allowed or you can only take a space shuttle. Maybe that's why I like the analogy because it kind of seems sort of sweet. It's totally it. sweet, dude. It's super awesome. Well, I don't think there's jetpacks because we ain't Protestants. Yeah, we're not getting lifted out of our shoes. Mm-mm. Well, and it's not just individual as well. Mm-hmm. There's a whole communal aspect. Right. Well, just like yeah. there was a communal aspect to us all losing the supernatural life in Adam, like we're, we're stuck, you know? Oh. No, matter if you're, no matter if you're holy, all yep. of humanity is stuck on this side and we had to be incorporated in another corporate person namely jesus and his body the church in order to in order to get lifted out of the mud the yogurt the deep yogurt the yog did (laughs) yeah that uh i like it i mean barring yeah i mean you could and you couldn't do this that's a good that's a good analogy i was thinking as long as you're not saying like you know it's just like the grace is just like covering you like in a Protestant theology right. of, you know, but that's not what that that is. That yeah. requires cooperation still. Yeah. More jetpacks would mm-hmm. be nice. But other than that, it was good. I mean, you have to operate the jetpack. You have to learn yeah. up and down and side to side. Or have you ever seen those jetpacks that are like water jetpacks? I was just thinking about those that. Are sweet. The, yeah. I want to ride a jetpack <laughs> so bad. But what we could do should is we, say... Should we ask for jetpacks? For we, Christmas? We have not gotten Beats by Dre. Yeah. Should we ask for jetpacks? Dre like, is my boy, don't get me wrong. Okay? <laughs> he is seriously my BZ, which mm-hmm. is a hip way of saying boy. Um, but I haven't received my Beats by Dre by him. But look, this is before we get away from this analogy. We have two minutes, by the way. We could say, forget Mars... That's where aliens and hmm. r- lunar rovers Good Matt Damon. are. Matt Damon is mm-hmm. definitely on Mars. No, he came back. Who, who else is he on did Mars? Come back. Well, no. Well, he died, didn't he? No. Matt Damon. Dude, Matt Damon's that. alive. Let's not talk about the Martian again, please. No. Oh, yeah. I was talking about Interstellar. You, you rained on that prey, dude. <laughs> oh I yeah, did. Interstellar that's too. Right. Oh, on Interstellar, Interstellar, he dies. Yeah, but that's not Mars, is it? That's like a an ice planet. Real yeah. life, though. Matt Damon's okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And nobody knows. So we say forget Mars. That's where Matt Damon's corpse is. <laughs> and various aliens and uh, lunar rovers, like just picking up rocks. Sure. So Mars kind of sucks. I say we build our own planet, mm-hmm. and we'll call it the Schmeth Star, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, we, we will go, and we will inhabit that planet. Uh-huh, and, and turn say, it into a cannon. Well, we can do this on our own. Yeah. And then we'll just go and live on our own planet. We'll make our own oxygen. And we, well, we'll be able to live forever with science. 
With science, dude. But that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. With science, we can live forever. <laughs> so then we don't need any other help. Yeah. We don't need spaceships. I mean, I'm still gonna have a jetpack, no doubt. <laughs> other side note. Uh, this just hit me talking about wanting jetpacks. Should I guess we're gonna see each other next Saturday for the Ohlos concert? Oh, Should shit. we do a three nor three dogs north secret Santa? Just Ooh. throwing it out there. Ooh. Uh, what's this? What's the price limit? Like four fifty? I was gonna say seven dollars. Okay. So how about how about six fifty? I'm going to the dollar store. So, no dollar stores are the worst. Six seventy five. Seriously, don't go to a dollar <laughs> store. Yeah, I'd be down. They kill small towns. I have a good friend who's who I I hate dollar stores because of him. <laughs> so you want me? I'll I'll get Rob something. Rob gets Mike something. Mike gets me something. Dude, it's a secret. It's a secret, but yes. There's only three of us. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who, so who do I get it for? You get you something for me. I get okay. something for Rob. Don't give me something dumb. Don't go to the dollar store. Wait, Rob has to get something for Too me? Too late. Yeah. Frick. Okay, can we switch? Don't tell Rob, Don't yeah. tell Rob. but can we switch? How about, Mike, you get something for me. I get something for That's you. Exactly and you Rob said. gets something for me. What if I got something for myself? No, just... Honestly, I would prefer that. <laughs> How about you both get me something nice? Yeah, you just and I said, buy. I, I just give you something I got for free. I regift you both something. You just said let's all three of us, yourself included, give you a gift. <laughs> New plan. <laughs> let's all three get ourselves something. Okay. Yeah, and, and then, then just, just do a show and tell, and then just talk about it. <laughs> <on Saturday>. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we'll do. Yeah. All right. No, Father Connor, I'm buying you a gift. Okay, Rob, I'm buying you a gift. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are we okay. actually doing this? Yeah, we're actually doing this. Seven bucks? Seven bucks, Saturday. Where's the decimal? I'm writing it down on a note card. Seven bucks, Saturday. Okay, got to go. Bye. All right, see you guys. See ya. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.